In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with my co-host, Jack. Jack, how are you, mate? I'm good. Um, the playoffs are coming, baby. The playoffs are coming, so let's keep the positivity going. Jack, you're like a different man since last night. Last night, you were like doom and gloom, and now you're all about playoffs. That's because I was tired and wanted to go to bed. Okay, I'll let you off. And uh, we have got a wonderful guest on today, Josh Edwards from 24 Sports covering the Browns. He is the guy that wrote the article on the Browns fans being number one. Josh, how are you, Josh? I'm doing well today. Thanks for having me, guys. No, thank you very much uh, for your time. Uh, the first question I'm going to ask you is, why are you a Browns fan? So my dad is originally from the state of Kentucky. There's no NFL team in the state of Kentucky. He moved to Cleveland to do his co-op, um, adopted the Browns as the one team that he lived and died with and just kind of passed it down to me. Okay, excellent. And look, I've seen you over the years. You're always doing stuff on social media. Uh, what, do you post every single day? Tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so we've got some pretty rigorous expectations. I cover anything from viral content to press conferences, everything that really relates to the Browns in a sense that it's kind of a, a one-stop shop for the Browns fans to be able to come to our page, really get all the information that they need to know about this team. Okay, excellent. Well, look, I'm going to go straight into the questions and then we're going to cover a bit about the actual article you wrote. So I've booked a table for three people. You can bring one person from the Browns and anyone else in the world besides myself, who are, you, who are your two guests going to be? So I actually took this as specifically just the Browns because I know this is a Browns podcast. So um, from the current staff, I went with, with Freddie Kitchens, the current offensive coordinator, because he is a guy that everybody knows and loves. He's a guy that has a tremendous personality. He's hilarious, um, cracks it up with everybody. He comes across really, really great guy. And then the other two guests that I would bring, of course, would be Jim Brown, Paul Brown, a couple of very respected individuals in Brown's history. Paul Brown, of course, uh, an innovator in, in, a lot of, in a lot of different NFL capacities, whether it's rule standard, um, equipment, things of that nature. And then Jim Brown, of course, you talk about his, his uh, social justice summits with the likes of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, with Muhammad Ali. That's a guy that's going to have a ton of stories, and I think it'd just be incredible to sit down with both of them to not only pick their brains from a football perspective, but just uh, a worldly, social, you know, societal type type issues as well. Well, I can come close. I've got a kitchen outside. <laughs> I've met Jim Brown, and I'm Paul Brown, so maybe we could get something to work. But uh, but no, um, uh, I agree. I would definitely. Um, Paul Brown would have been someone that I'd like to have sat down, especially with like stuff he'd done with the helmets, the uh, out the uh, box thinking, all that type of stuff. It'd be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. What film would you say best describes the Brown season so far? 
Man, you asked me this, and I, I just kept going through all these different scenarios. Um, you know, I thought about the, the Bench Warmers, which was uh, a movie with Rob Schneider about how, you know, this awful group of misfits just kind of turned it around and became this incredible team in the end and won a championship. Or uh, what I ultimately settled on was this movie called Hardball with Keanu Reeves, um, which was a team that had a lot of talent, but didn't really, wasn't able to really to put the pieces together until their championship run at the end. So that's what I went with. I think there's a lot of movies that you could kind of take pieces of here and there. I tried to look for a movie that, um, you know, had some poor management and maybe you change management and your, your fortunes change around over the course of the year, but uh, kind of struggled to come up with one that really, you know, kind of capsulated what this Cleveland team is in a nutshell, but um, hardball we've, you know, we've seen this team kind of kind of turn it around this year, and that's kind of what we saw in that movie as well. Jack, do you think they can make a film? If we win the last three games, do you think they're going to make a film on this season? No. If, I'll tell you, <laughs> Jack, I thought we had positive Jack then for a sec. Yeah, but who wants to make a team um, movie about a team that don't make the playoffs? So I'll tell you what, how they're going to make a film. If we get to the playoffs, that's the sort of thing that might become a film. If we just win the last three games, nah, it's not enough. That's your call today, isn't it? We're going to win the last three, but we're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I've said it's more likely. When you're having to rely on potentially Hugh Jackson to win week 17, <laughs> then uh, the odds are against you. I can't believe this season. Hugh Jackson's just coming up, coming in and out of all these different games. Like... Uh... You know he's like gonna lose four games and then beat the Steelers and be a, a Browns cult hero. It, it would be bizarre if Hugh Jackson is sort of the defining moment that takes the Browns to the playoffs this season. Do you think Baker will then go over, or Randall will go over to him and go, "Mate, you're a legend for doing that." Well, we won't be playing them because they'll be playing the Steelers. So um, you, you might get a load of tweets from some of the players going, "Thanks, Hugh," um, really sarcastically. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, uh, what's he called? Uh, Mike Silver. He'd be like uh, tweeting, "Oh, my best friend has uh, done it for the Browns, saviour." Um. All right, great. This is a a real tough one, Josh. What body part are you willing to give up for the Browns to win the season? Yeah, this is another one. Where I, try, I try to stay impartial as best as I can because I I cover the draft as well, so I try to be. Uh, a little bit impartial in that regard. So it's kind of hard for me to give up a body, a body part. But if you look at what we saw from the Cavaliers championship, how large that was and how starved that city was for a champion, if you are to give them a Browns championship, that parade is going to be four times larger at least than what we saw for the Cavaliers because that's a Browns town. I don't care how good the Cavs are. I don't care how good the Indians are. As long as the Browns are good, that is going to be a football town, a Browns town, especially now with Baker Mayfield, a guy that kind of embodies what Cleveland considers themselves to be a real hard worker, uh, a guy that is kind of self-made in his own right. Um, so if he's able to ever deliver a Super Bowl for, for Cleveland, I think everybody has to make an effort to be there because that's going to be an absolutely wild scene. So what body part are you going to give up? Um, I'll give up something, something meaningless, like, uh, the, the left pinky toe. All right, Josh, I'm going to put a bit of pressure on you. Okay. In England, NFL is obviously maybe the second sport, maybe the third, fourth sport. We've had 
What's that, Jack? It's like fifth or sixth. It's not even that big in the UK yet. <laughs> it's growing. We've, we've had fans, will it, three fans in the UK chop off their heads. <laughs> wow, and you're that's... willing to give up your little toe. <laughs> Come yeah, on, Josh. Yeah, what yeah. would your dad say if you said you're only going to give up your little toe? I've got to be. I've got to survive the next day to uh, to really take part in this parade. So I can't be giving up my head. I've got a lot of writing to do. So uh, I got to sacrifice my pinky toe because I need that pinky finger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, excellent, um, mate. If you're giving up a little toe for the Browns, that's uh, good enough with me. Uh, Jack, where are the Browns going to be drafting uh, next year? If we if we draft today, any ideas? If we draft today. Dropped it on me. I'll have a look and I'll pull up. I think it's about 12, Jack, because I do my research before the shows. With 13th. 13th, yeah. Yep. And Josh, draft about 13th. What would be like your number one and two uh, draft positions, taking away talent? What, what do you think the team needs at the moment? I would say defensive tackle, cornerback, uh, wide receiver, maybe offensive tackle. Still kind of have some issues issues to solve there. Ideally, Greg Robinson would be a fit for them long term, but uh, I'm a little bit skeptical of that considering he's he's kind of been a failure in, in every other stop that he's made in his career. But defensive tackle has been pretty much non-existent this year with the exception of, of Larry Ogunjobi. Um, Ogunjobi's had a tremendous season, but if they can add another guy next to next to him along that defensive line with Miles Garrett, Emmanuel Ogba, that's going to be a, a, a unit that's really difficult to deal with. So I think defensive tackle would be one. Wide receiver, of course, got to find a way to give Baker Mayfield a legitimate top right wide receiver and, and be able to make some plays down the field. Because if you can do that, you're allowing yourself to really use every part of the field to kind of stretch defenses and, and really maximize the potential that you have on that side of the ball. Yeah, what's your view? It's a growing discussion of Emmanuel Ogba obviously hasn't exploded at defensive end, of getting him to beef up a bit and rather than draft the defensive tackle, switch Ogba inside to the three-tech and then uh, draft another defensive end if there is one available. Absolutely. I think that's a great idea. That's, that's actually something that I've considered as well. Um, this is a defensive draft. If, if you need a defensive tackle, if you need a defensive end, this is the year that you could potentially do it because it is such a defensive draft because you're not going to get the star wide receivers. The quarterbacks in this draft class are not as good as what we've seen in the past. The running backs, I mean, last year's draft class really kind of brought several running backs to the table. Um, and we're just not seeing that in this year's class. So you look at the lack of talent at those positions and the amount of talent that we have along the front seven in terms of NFL draft prospects I think Cleveland really has to explore their options, whether it's adding a defensive tackle, whether it's adding a defensive end. You keep a guy like Emmanuel Ogba, maybe give them some, some position flexibility, um, and that's going to allow them to do a lot of different things on that side of the ball. So I think that's a great idea. I think that's something that they probably will consider this offseason. Uh, quite a lot of fans um, who, who on Twitter with me, they're saying we should be looking at uh, linebackers. Um, Josh, I'll ask you first, what do you think about that? I agree 100%. Um, I love Christian Kirksey in terms of his mental acumen, what he brings to the table. I've always kind of envisioned him to be more of an inside linebacker just based on his skill sets. And even when Joe Schobert got hurt, we saw Kirksey kind of slide over there and really not lose too much at that position. But Joe Schobert is such 
an incredible player in terms of how he mentally prepares for games as well, how he gets other guys into position. You can't really move on from him either. And then you've got Jamie Collins at the other outside linebacker position, which um, as I was kind of get going to get to later in the show with, uh, with one of my takes for the off season, but I think that's an area that you have to look to, to improve this off season. I think Jannard Avery has been a tremendous rookie, um, but he's primarily limited to his pass rush ability right now. We haven't seen him do very good things in coverage at this point, which is a liability. Um, so Cleveland has to explore the idea of adding an every down outside linebacker to this team next season and beyond. I think that would make a tremendous impact on the defense moving forward. Cool. Jack? Yeah, I think you're probably looking at Collins. It's probably a cut already. Kirksey hasn't reached the levels this season um, that he's played in the past. So that's one that he's going to need to step up moving forward. Um, Avery, yeah, I've enjoyed him more as a defensive end, but I think he's one of them that he'll flip between the two and, I don't know how long it is until he suits a position that he feels more comfortable with. Schobert's sort of the only one we've really got. Um, I don't want to touch either linebacker position um, in the first or second round. It's far too early. I don't mind with that late third round pick, um, but ideally sort of fourth or fifth round, grab some. Um, it's a position like running back that they don't have that long a career at linebacker. And as well, it's a position where you can get quite a lot of good value, as we've seen um, in the sort of third and fourth round, um, similar to running backs, whereas there's other positions where the value just isn't there when you get later in the draft. Jack, I'm going to put you on the spot, mate. So in this conversation, we've talked about defensive tackle, defensive end, lineback. Uh, I think cornerback, we always need another cornerback, wide receiver and tackle. Where would you draft um, once once again position forgetting about the talent on the on the board? What would be your uh, round one, Jack? Um, I'm still favouring left tackle at the moment. Um, yeah. The only way you're not going to draft left tackle for me is if Trenton Brown from the Patriots hits free agency and you pick him up. Um, defensive end would be a position I'd love to draft if there's one there. Um, but if Trey Flowers from the Patriots also hits free agency and you pick him up, then it's another position you don't need to touch. Cornerback, I'm always happy to take a cornerback. Um, wide receiver, I prefer to wait until round two or three. So uh, it's one of them that I'm looking left tackle, I'm looking defensive line, preferably defensive end and cornerback. If none of them are there, I'm happy to trade back and get a little bit more value and then we'll grab someone later in the first. Josh, your views on that? Yeah, it's hard to ignore what is expected to be on the board at that point in time. But just from a positional value, I think left tackle, as you guys said, has kind of got to be top of the list because this team had Joe Thomas from 2007 until last year. He filled that need for so many years. And really, Browns fans kind of took it for granted, I think. But um, even though Baker Mayfield is getting the ball out much quicker, I think that's a very important position to keeping him healthy and upright uh, for quite some time, which is the most important aspect of this team that they really need to solve this offseason Baker Mayfield is the future so you have to keep him healthy you have to keep him upright and give him the opportunity to make plays um, so left tackle would certainly be up there I think it would be great to give him a wide receiver uh, for the for the reasons I mentioned earlier that's going to allow Jarvis Landry to to do a lot more in space um, and then pass rush I think if you can add another pass rusher to this team that would be tremendous because this is such a passing league now 
you can't give these opposing quarterbacks a lot of time in the pocket because they're going to pick you apart quite simply. Um, so I think those would probably be the, if I, if I were to pick two to take in the first two rounds, it would be left tackle and another pass rusher. All right, great. Look, we could talk about the draft all day long, but the reason why I wanted you on the show, Josh, was to hear about what inspired you to write that article. Well, I just came across uh, the fact that, you know, the Browns were, were ranked the number one fan base in the country. I think that's just incredible because, you know, that was, that took into account the, the entertainment, the singers, the actors, the actresses, all these different entertainment and sports venues, values. Um, and Browns fans were number one. We've seen a lot of kind of rankings in the past give the Browns some credit, but also, you know, kind of scoff and make fun of them at the same time. Um, and they simply don't deserve that. This is the one, one of the most loyal fan bases in the entire NFL. In, in any entertainment industry, this is a, a fan base that has stuck with this franchise since 1999. Despite the constant losing, double-digit losses almost every single year, it seems like. So the fact that they've, they've stuck around this long is just a testament to their loyalty. And they, they honestly deserve every single amount of success that they get in the future. And I was just happy to see them recognized um, for what they should be, quite frankly. Yeah, I've got to say, um, our uh, British, sorry, our backers uh, network is amazing. We've got uh, backers groups all around the world. It's, it's something that I'm going to be doing off-season, is trying to um, identify, talk to all these people around the world in, in remote places like Germany, they're going to have quite a lot of fans there. So try and get everyone together. I'm really looking forward to this offseason. Yeah, I think that's a tremendous idea. I think that'd be really cool for, for you to be able to do and, and really for, for Browns fans to be able to connect because everybody has a different perspective um, on how they became a, fr- a Browns fan, how they've dealt with the adversity, the losses over the years, what they want to see from this team in the future. Um, I've actually considered that kind of myself – um, here recently was is trying to connect more with the Browns backers because this is an organized network that has such a tremendous fan base. Um, and it's just all over the world is, as you're, you guys are obviously a testament to. So um, I'm really excited to, to kind of be able to kind of get in touch with and connect with those a little bit more. Well, follow the story, Josh, next year is going to be an interesting one, 2019. It's all going to be about Browns going global. So uh, we'll get you involved meeting all these uh, international Browns fans. Absolutely. I love that. The, the one thing I wonder is, will it change? Because going into next season, the expectation has always been in the past of, let's just try and get some wins. Let's just try and improve a little bit. The feeling is probably going to be next season of, we want the playoffs. And is that likely to change the way Browns fans are viewed? Obviously, lots of people will be happy in the short term of, Oh, they deserve making the playoffs. But if fans are turning up and expecting wins, does that change the way fans are and the way fans are viewed? Potentially. I don't think we know the answer to that. It's kind of unprecedented, quite frankly. But, uh, you know, we saw the the success that they had in the early 90s um, with Belichick. And obviously that was... You know, a tremendous time to be a part of the fans. You had the Muni lot, which was so passionate. You saw all the fans kind of get together and really rally with each other. Um, you know, so I don't think it's going to impact it too much. I think just the fact that we're even talking about that is just a tremendous step into into where this organization has come. But, um, 
you know, from what I've, from what I kind of get from Browns fans is just, they're just kind of enjoying the moment for now. I think if this team does become successful, there's going to be so much support um, for what they're able to accomplish. And I don't think the change in expectations are necessarily a bad thing because that kind of puts some additional pressure on the key decision makers like, you know, general manager, John Dorsey, ownership, Jimmy Haslam, B. Haslam, to, uh, to really continue to support this team financially um, and, and make the right decisions. Um, I think in the past we've seen a lot of people in positions that were really just looking to cash a paycheck with Cleveland and not necessarily trying to turn this organization around. And for the first time in quite some time, I think not only do they have the right guys in position, but I think they've already made a lot of the, the decisions that we would hope to see from people in those positions. So um, we'll, only time will tell if, if the expectations kind of change the fan base. But I think, uh, I think Browns fans just are going to be so happy to, um, to be in that position that they're really going to embrace it. I mentioned that I live in Cincinnati. I've seen this Bengals team. They go to the playoffs almost every year. They never win the game, but they always go to the playoffs. And, you know, they're, they're always calling for Andy Dalton's job every single year. And I'm thinking if, if any quarterback took the Browns to the playoffs, that guy would never have to pay for dinner in Cleveland ever again. He would have a statue constructed in front of First <laughs> Energy Stadium. You know, so it's just, it's just a cultural difference. And I think it's not going to change the Browns that much if they do finally reach the success that we expect. Yeah, I was listening to um, Joe Thomas and he was saying, obviously he's a Wisconsin area and uh, he was talking about the Packers and they're obviously uh, same points as ourselves and they're in turmoil. Their fans are just going absolutely crazy and we're absolutely celebrating and we're on exactly the same point. So, uh, yeah, let's see next year. We'll all be depressed when we come one (laughs) one game off the playoffs, for example. Yeah, hopefully that's not the case, but we'll see. Uh, Josh, how many wins do you think we've got left? We've got three games left. How many wins are we going to get? Yeah, I'm I'm still kind of combating this own perception that I have in my head of of what the Browns have been in the past. I'm going to say two and one conservatively right now. Um, I think they should be in all of those games and could very well win all of those games. But, um, you know, you don't expect a team to win 16 games every year. So there's no reason to believe that Cleveland's not going to potentially have a bad game over the course of the the rest of the season. So I think two and one is a pretty conservative number. They've got a couple of realistic games coming up with the Broncos, with the Bengals, with the Ravens. Um, But the Ravens are playing really well with their own rookie quarterback right now. So that'll be an interesting one on the road at the end of the year. And who do you think we're going to lose to? I would say the Ravens right now. Oof. I would say the Ravens, yeah. I could see that being a win, but if I, was, if I was going to pick one specifically, it would probably be Baltimore. Jack, what's your call at the moment? Um, it's one of them that I'm, I agree a lot where that came from. All three are really winnable. Um, the Denver game worries me just because – You've got the likes of Von Miller and Bradley Chubb has come on a lot more in the second half, had a rough sort of first couple of games, but is producing a lot more of what people expected. Um, and who knows with the Ravens? But then you look at last week, the Chiefs nearly suffered an upset. The Rams fell apart. The Patriots fell apart. And if those teams can mess up and drop a result, then the Browns can too. But uh, I reckon, yeah, 
two two out of the three. But if we want all three, I wouldn't be surprised. I just think there's always potential errors in there. Okay. Well, I called that we were going to lose uh, to Houston and then win the last three. I'm going, to, I'm going to stay with that. I'm going to stay super positive. We're going to win our last three games. Um, Josh, we always ask everyone this as a guest on our show. What is a very, very hot take for the Browns this season? And I'll give you a bit of extra, maybe something to start up next season. Yeah, it's it's hasn't even become a hot take really so much because I kind of expected this before this season. We've kind of progressed through the season with this guy. But, um, you know, as we've already touched on earlier, I don't expect Jamie Collins to be back with this team uh, next season. I would not have been surprised if he'd been traded at the deadline. I would not have been surprised if he was cut before the season started. So um, I think as this team continues to get more talent at that position, he's probably the first guy to go because his effort on the field is – um, kind of shameful to be to be quite honest with you, given as much as he's being paid. But um, I would say that is one thing I would look for this offseason. Something, another take that I've given in the past was that Cleveland would overcome the Cincinnati Bengals within two years in the sense that Cincinnati would be trending down and Cleveland would pass them on the hierarchy. That was about two years ago now. So I'm finally glad that after the way the season started, I was a little bit nervous, but we're finally seeing that uh, Cleveland's probably going to be um, competing for this division for the next 10 plus years because the Steelers are struggling. The ba Baltimore has their own issues right now. We're, we're going to be talking about whether they keep John Harbaugh at the end of the year. Um, Cincinnati is just a mess right now. There's talk that Hugh Jackson's going to be their next head coach. Um, you know, you've still got Andy Dalton at the quarterback position. You've got to get a new quarterback in there. You've got injury prone wide receivers with AJ Green and, and Tyler Eiferts. Um, so this is really looking like it's going to be Cleveland's division. So I'm going to say that they actually win the division in 2019. Mm. Do, do you reckon there's anyone out there that would trade for a uh, Collins or is it looking like a cap cut now? I could see them trade somebody trading for Collins because his cap hit is going to be a lot lower this off season. Some team is, is going to be willing to give up maybe a fifth or a sixth round pick to kind of see what they have in him. And if it doesn't work out, they just cut him with, with really nothing lost. So I could potentially see that as an option um, for general manager, John Dorsey. I mean, this is a guy that we've already seen. He's not afraid to make trades. He traded away to Sean Kaiser, Cody Kessler, um, Jamar Taylor, Josh Gordon, Danny Shelton, you know, the list goes on and on and on. And I think Jamie Collins is potentially one of those guys that could be next. If, if they don't find a trade partner, I think he's just going to be outright cut. Jack, what's he got left on his contract? Any ideas? Off the top of my head, I'm not sure. He's, he's got a little while left, but uh, I'll pull it up now and we'll have a look. I, I think he's going to be a cut. Um, I just can't see anyone uh, being that interested in him. Sixth uh, round? A classic Cleveland Brown seventh round picture? Uh, it sounds like a conditional seventh. If you, <laughs> so he's got um, two more years left after this. It's... Uh, 11.75 million and 13.75 million, which is 6.2 and 6.9% of the cap. But in terms of a cut, it's only 2.5 million or um, 1.25 million. Um, and then a trade is the same. So there's nothing really in terms of dead cap if you want to dump him. All right, great. Well, look, Josh, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, getting you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. 
Yeah, anytime, guys. Thank you for having me on. It, it was a pleasure. And what a great article, a great positive article you wrote about the Cleveland Brown fans. Thank you very much. I think we're, we're really in an age where Cleveland is bound for some success. So I think you're going to see a lot more positivity, not from just local media, but national media as well. So uh, embrace it is what I would say to all your, all your Browns fans that are listening out there. Excellent. Josh, where can we find your details? So you can find my actual work at Cleveland Browns on 24-7 Sports. Or you can find me on Twitter at jedwar247. That's J-E-D-W-A-R-247. All right, excellent. All right, Jack, we've got a busy week ahead of us. We've got a lot of shows coming up. We always like to keep it busy. And then it's a short week because, hey, we're back on TV. That's right. I'm, I'm, I'm coming around to yours on Saturday and cooking the uh, chicken wings. Yeah, you, you, you give us a... Uh... Hopefully, colour rush jerseys, a possum, and anything can happen. Yeah. Josh, any tips for chicken wings, cooking them? Uh, not really. I haven't, I haven't cooked a lot of chicken wings lately. I know if my roommate were on here, he could give you a better idea of what to do, but uh, I can't say I have, I have too much experience cooking chicken wings. Well, look, I've been to Buffalo. I've experienced the first ever chicken wing, and I've got a few secret things up my sleeve, Jack. So, uh, I'm sure my wings are going to be more tasty than yours. Mine are nice, quick, easy to make, and I'm happy with that. So uh, I, I just want to uh, get it done and go back to watching the game. So uh, you, you can play in the kitchen and uh, the adults can watch the uh, game. All right, Josh, Jack, thank you very much for your time. Changes here, exciting times ahead. Did I hear playoffs? They could be coming soon. There's change coming. There's change coming.